Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, introducing managerial changes. Here we go. Well, neither rain nor snow nor terrible cold will keep us from our pointed rounds of sharing <laughs> managerial knowledge across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> so, excuse me, folks. I'm sorry. This is um, might be a little bit difficult to listen to me. So, that said, I wanted to chat with you a little bit this morning about a conversation we had with a client recently. And it's an interesting one, and I think it's something that happens, or thoughts that happen frequently with, with clients. And it went something like this. A client asked, what do I do to reduce the resistance my directs seem to have to my new way of doing things? And in, in this particular case, he wanted to say like, he was trying to change the way he was doing reviews, right? They want to use some right. metrics. You want to put a budgeting pl- process in place. But his directs, they keep either not doing what seems pretty clear to him, or they just act like it's totally foreign and a bad idea. And he was really struggling with this. Yeah. um, This actually happens a lot. Look, certainly sometimes it's just a manager blaming his team for being stubborn when in fact the the ideas he or she is trying are just bad ideas. Right. And of course, that's what the directs would say every time. right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, those directs aren't resisting so much as they're just standing up for the old and the better way. But frankly... For 95% of the managers listening to us right now, that situation isn't all that common. What's really pretty common is a manager is trying to, is trying something new, trying to train, change something, something that will probably work, something that's probably better, maybe even notably better. And either a plurality or maybe a majority of her directs are either playing passive aggressive or maybe just plain aggressive. They're just resisting. They don't, they don't want to change. And we, and we can't give up on our ideas, though, right? I mean, that we still, even though our, our directs are resistive, we still have a responsibility to improve the performance of our team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Generally speaking, the directs are not resisting the idea. They're resisting any idea. They're resisting change, right? It's like, gosh, you know, do we have to? This is working good and whatever. Right. And so the question really becomes... Look, we, we can't right now pass judgment on every single idea that every single manager who's listening has. What we can say is, let's think differently. How can we reduce their resistance by introducing the change differently? What can we do to increase the chances that our directs are as receptive as they can be to the changes we're going to make? And that's not hard. That's just a, a simplified version of an organizational change model, and we call it the managerial change model. The manager tools, managerial change model. And it's easy. It is really easy. I Shoot, I think this is going to be a fairly short cast, frankly. There are only three things we need to do. And frankly, very few managers do them. And that's okay. Nobody's told us this stuff. And so you got to learn it the hard way. What we recommend is, number one, you announce your changes early. And by early, we mean like a month in advance, believe it or not, folks. Wow. And you may be thinking you want to go fast, but... You know, as you've said before, Mike, with people, fast is slow. So you announce your changes early. You announce your changes to everyone. You announce them in a staff meeting, for instance. Everybody hears it first um, together. And then you follow up with each team member 
and go over the same stuff again, getting more uh, feedback back individually from each person. That's it. Regardless of the idea, you want to announce your changes early, you want to announce to everybody together, and then you want to go over it again individually with every person on your team. I'd be willing to bet that every manager listening to the cast today has had more good ideas than they realize, right? Yeah. You know, it's happened to us. We've had good ideas. Unfortunately, and I, I can I can tell you I've done this more times than I would like to admit, uh, which is more than once, which is <laughs> one time too many. I had this really great idea that would help things get better. I mean, it made complete sense to me, right? I mean, I, I'm, like I'm a high C, so I've, I've thought through this thing. It made complete right. sense to me. But I'm also high D. I rushed it. I rolled it out. And it completely flopped. Totally. Right. And, and the mistake you made was that it didn't flop because it was a bad idea, right? It flopped because the rollout wasn't well considered. Yeah. And what did you think? Oh, that was a bad idea. That won't work. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. I forgot that it relied on my directs to actually implement it. <laughs> right? And, yeah. And they weren't ready. I didn't get their buy-in. And they didn't really understand. And so they couldn't give it their best. And so even though it was a great idea, it flopped. Yeah, you mentioned buy-in, though. I'll tell you, th there's nothing about buy-in in this cast. And we're simply trying to avoid what I think of as a little bit of a hot button, which is managers say, yeah, yeah, I know. I got to get their buy-in. And I say, well, okay, I'm not going to argue with you in principle, but but in detail, I think far too many managers define buy-in as every single direct has to agree and become energetic and excited, and directs hold a veto over our changes. And that's just not so. They're going to be directs who never buy in. And for some of our biggest changes, you're going to have less early buy-in, but if you believe it's the right thing to do, and you can show that it's the right thing to do, then that means you probably have an obligation to do it. But I think there are young managers, particularly, who hear the word buy-in and they go, ah, oh, gosh, you know, so if I if I bring up a new idea and l let's say I have a bunch of really experienced people working for me and they all poo-poo it and I say to myself, well, I didn't get buy-in, so I'm not oh, going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's just bad, right? I mean, yeah. it, it sends a message that anybody can can be a veto holder for my ideas, which is not Buy, look, we like buy-in, folks, but it's not in this cast because this is not a case where all directs get to vote on managerial ideas. This is how to improve an idea, that you, improve the chances that an idea will actually get implemented well uh, simply by talking to your people more about it, and we're not going to give them a vote. Thanks for clarifying that. I'd, I'd hate to send a message that we have, to, <laughs> we have to take a vote every time we want to make a decision. That would be bad. I mean, the idea could be a bad one, right? But if we rush it and we don't brief it fully and fairly, we can't say for certain whether the idea was a good idea or it just simply failed because the thing was rushed out. Yeah, exactly. It, it didn't flop because it wasn't a good idea. It flopped because it relied on our directs implementing it, as you said. They weren't ready. We didn't get their buy-in, right? Okay, I'll say it there. And let me just say, there is a way to find out if it was the idea and not the rollout. And the key is you just try rolling it out again, and this time you do it, maybe not a month later, obviously, this time you do it with the right amount of briefing and the right amount of lead time. So for those ideas, folks, that you had five years ago that you thought were really good, but your directs just overruled you on, now it's time to maybe try those again. We bet you have a new team around you. 
um, frankly, even if you're in the same role, if it's been five years. So they won't know you're recycling. And heck, isn't recycling a good thing nowadays? And look, even if they do know that you tried it before, go ahead and say mea culpa. Hey, mea culpa, my fault. I didn't do this rollout well. I still believe it's a good idea. Let's try it differently this time. They'll give you a little grace. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we're going to address this a little bit by announcing our changes early, right? And that's what we're talking about here. So what do we get by? I mean, it doesn't, you know, I'm fearful that announcing it early simply gives people more time to build up their resistance. <laughs> I'd rather just... <laughs> <laughs> so first, get a handle on your idea, okay? When you first have the idea, don't worry about when you're going to start implementing. If you're trying to rush this, if you're trying to get it out there, right? Let's get it out there. This is a good idea. Don't use our technique, what we're talking about here, this managerial change model. Um, don't use this for that rollout. Okay, but wait a minute. It, it, let's say it's 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 November. I'm a little bit behind, and I've got to roll out our performance review process. And our performance review process stunk last year. And I look, I got to get going in a week. If I don't have it gone in a week, I'm not going to meet my end-of-the-year objective here. Are you recommending that I not do that? And I wait till next year. Yeah, you're talking about performance reviews for this year, right? Yeah, um, for this year. So, yeah, okay. It's a 12 week process. I've only got six weeks. <laughs> um, if I don't roll it out this week, I won't be able to implement it. Yeah, then I'm saying don't try doing it this way. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'll give you another one. If, if, let's say the corporate budgeting process has changed and you know everyone's going to have to do stuff different this go around and it starts next week, you're stuck. Okay. This model is not for stuff that you have to do next week. The model exists to increase the chances that the stuff you need done is going to get done effectively. And if you rush this model, people are going to feel rushed about it. And in both examples, by the way, bo both these examples, we're talking about things that came down from higher. And hopefully what we have is somebody has thought about that. Now we know they have in a lot of the cases, but hopefully they have. If they haven't, then you're going to have to implement whatever timeline comes down from up above. Um, if you do have some flexibility and you can push back and you can delay, fine, use this model and, and roll it out for your people in a different way that other than other managers are. But look, a way to think about this is to use this as a first choice on those changes that you yourself are implementing unrelated to any larger organizational process change. Okay. That way, there won't be any deadlines that'll cause you to rush and, and essentially get you back to the same problem you were in before. So, yeah, on those things, we're going to say, wait. So, I think you're defining early a little bit differently, right? Rather than thinking, let's start right away or let's start as soon as possible, you're recommending that we think about how quickly can we start well? What's the best date to start with this new thing to make sure it actually works? Exactly. That's a great way. That's a great way to think about it. Okay. And the answer is usually, usually not always. Okay. Not every single time, but usually the answer is no earlier than a month from now. Wow. Yeah. Four yeah. weeks. Yeah. For some folks yeah. that will seem like a long time, particularly yeah. when we're excited about this new idea we have. Yeah, but but I think the key is what you said is it's not that we want to get it done. It's that we want to get it done and have it work. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to get credit for a great process. We want to get credit for implementing a great process that actually produced results. Yeah. In fact, I, I think a lot of times 
managers are actually excited about the idea and they forget that what they should be excited about, although should, you know, we were careful about, yeah, you know, that's probably not the right word, but what we recommend you be thinking about is the outcome, right? That you want to be tied. You want to be thinking about the results you're going to get, not just that you have the ability to put in place a change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But too many of us go, wow, I got this great idea. I want to put this idea in place. And it's like, well, okay, would you really want to put the idea in place if the results weren't any good? And people would say, well, no. So I said, okay, are you excited about the idea or are you excited about the results? And then usually, go, oh, no, it's the results I want. So, okay, if you want results, then take your time. Get it right. How complicated is this presentation to our folks? I mean, this idea, I mean, is this is, you know, this is just a five-minute chat with our team at the end of a staff meeting, or is it? Is it more than Oh, gosh, no. Yeah, it's um, okay. So, look, we we need a week to plan our presentation to the team. A week. Okay, so we're going to put some thought into this. This is not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not just standing up and saying, you know, here's what's coming. You know, just live with it uh, kind of thing. (laughs) We need a week to plan our presentation to the team. Nobody nobody I know would do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, yeah, no. So, you don't need a month to perfect the idea, and you don't need to prep yourself obsessively to be perfectly accurate, but we do need to prep and we want to be what I, what I call persuasively accurate about the new effort. Yeah. This is a persuasive moment, right? Yeah. We're, we're assuming you've already got the idea in your head. You've thought it through. You've thought of strengths and weaknesses. You've thought of potential disagreements and so on. So in the first week, you're going to plan for a presentation to your staff meeting to everybody on your team. And that, you know, it takes a day, maybe it takes an hour or two. Now, if it's Tuesday and you want to do this Thursday, you want to announce it Thursday and you've got some time on your calendar this afternoon and maybe, maybe tomorrow, Wednesday to get ready for Thursday, then I suppose you could think of that as being a very short week. And so this entire timeline will only be maybe three weeks. But for most managers, we see them walking straight from getting the idea right into a staff meeting and saying, here's what I'm going to, here's what we're going to do. Here's how it's going to work. And it comes off, come, comes off half-baked and we don't want that. So in the first week, you prep for your presentation to the team. Okay. In the next week, you actually give the idea. You actually uh, do the presentation. You introduce the idea in the meeting. In the third week, hopefully during your one-on-ones, you brief everybody individually separately on the idea. And then in the fourth week, you start rolling it out. Now, is that a little bit flexible? Could it be three weeks in some situations? Yes. Could it even be two weeks if you got real creative? Hypothetically, yes. But again, you may be falling into the same trap that so many managers fall into, which is they rush the idea and they wonder why they don't get the results they want. And the reason is because people aren't ready for it. There's a lot of folks that I'm sure who are listening. I said it earlier that you know, they want to go faster, but they want to get this out as quickly as possible. And, you know, they think four weeks is forever. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, folks, you're, you're going to think four weeks is forever and you're going to use this and it's going to take five weeks. Well, it's not only is it going to take five weeks, also, it's not going to turn out very good, right? It's not just the timing. It's not that it just takes an extra week. It's that it doesn't work real well. And again, are we tied to the idea or are we tied to the idea going well, achieving results, making things better? Look, 
people are going to share issues and concerns you have. Um, you're going to hear some really ideas and you're probably going to want some time to incorporate some of those things you're told into your idea, into your plan. And there's no sense in rushing it. If in fact you hear, hear something from somebody that makes you think, wow, you know what? That's probably something I'd include. Let me go back and make sure that that's going to fit and it's going to work and yeah. so on. Well, it sounds like some of the ideas that we've covered in the pre-wire cast, right? If, if you got an idea and you share it with it's your exactly folks, they what have this some ideas is, yeah. to make it better. Why not incorporate those ideas? Take a little bit more time talking about buy-in. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah exactly. Get, right? Make it make it partly theirs at least. Yep. And yeah, you're right. Talk about buy-in. Um, they'll be like, wow, okay, my idea is in that idea. He's including my thoughts. That must mean I'm smart and yeah. he respects me. That's a good thing. Mike's review process. That was my idea. I just <laughs> something from Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was my idea. Windows 7, that was my idea. Okay. A month is long enough to slow down the impetuous high I's and high D's who are listening and keep you from recommending you do something like burn one of your directs firewood in order to save on the company energy budget, right? And a month is likely fast enough to encourage those of you who are high S's and high C's to go ahead and do the darn thing after all, rather than waiting forever. It's a good rough timeline. It's not perfect. It could be three weeks. It could be five weeks. The idea is if you have a month in your head, it will be easier for you to feel, hey, I'm going too fast or I'm going too slow. That's the way to think about it. Okay, now look, when you think of new ways of doing things, that's good. And then you assume it's going to take a month to get them going. Remember, we know you're burning to get it done. But again, you're actually burning to get the results from the new way. And if you screw up the rollout, you won't get the better results anytime soon anyway. And let's face it, you've been getting a while, you've been getting by for a while without doing this thing. A few more weeks in the service of better results when you try it are actually worth it and it won't kill you. A fast rollout, which pe with people not understanding, is far more likely to kill you than a slow one. Right. Okay. Now, step two out of our three steps here, announce your changes to everyone, right? So you've got your idea and you're going to go roll, roll it out in a month. Let everyone know this week that you're going to announce a new plan or process or procedure or this idea or change you have next week at your staff meeting. Put time in your staff meeting agenda or, or even set up a separate meeting entirely. If you haven't yet listened to our cast about how to run your staff meeting, you might want to do that. But we're not trying to hide our idea from our folks, right. right? You know, we wouldn't say, you know, a new idea announcement or a new process announcement, right? I mean. Yeah, you don't put that on the agenda, right? The folks don't like to be surprised. And they think, frankly, that you're manipulating them. And the fact of the matter is, they probably know what you're up to anyways. They know what your ideas are. Now, particularly, uh, if you're a smart manager, you're talking to some folks, right? You're getting ideas. You're, you're bouncing against other folks. And there are no secrets. So just in your staff meeting, make it clear what you're talking about. Discussion of new review or performance review rollout process, right? Don't be coy about it. Yeah. Yeah. If it were really secret and nobody knew, although there are those times when there are those things, we're not sure that that's good. But look, what's bad about having your folks think about change in advance? That's the whole point of giving us more time here, right? Yeah, but they, but they might be able to uh, formalize their arguments against my idea. Then I'd have to actually talk about it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may actually have to sit down with them and try to be persuasive and help see it from their point of view. No, um, which will which will make it more palatable for them. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Between now and then, right? Between now and announcing changes, we recommend your focus not be on the idea or on the change, but rather the communicating of the idea to the team. Okay. Now, that said, we, we promise you it's very likely that if you start thinking about how you're going to communicate this thing, you're going to end up thinking differently about the idea itself, right? Mm. You're going to see things in the idea itself that you're going to want to change. So basically, when you're thinking about communicating, about persuading, about selling, you're thinking about the idea. But if you go in saying, okay, what, how is this idea going to work and that kind of stuff, rather than how am I going to communicate it, you're going to be doing the work you've already done rather than um, thinking about what's important at this point is the communication and the persuasion around the idea. And what you do is during your staff meeting, you tell your team about the change. Now, look, this is really a presentation. It's a, it's a fairly simple presentation. It's not terribly complex, but we're going to do a separate cast about the details of a larger change effort. But assuming this is an internal process change and something that's fairly simple, we recommend your briefing have three steps in it. Okay. The first thing you want to do is motivate, and this is going to really surprise some people, motivate emotionally with a captivating story or a rationale. Even in an IT organization, I yeah, oh yeah, it's it's confusing, but it's accurate, okay? It's probably the most overlooked part of leading change efforts. And again, if you haven't figured it out, that's what you're doing um, just on a small scale, right? Look, it's not enough to say to people, this is what we're going to do different, here's why, and here's the benefit. That kind of simplistic, rational, logical approach misses on so many levels, it ought to be taught in a class called Bad Management 101. Okay, it really relies on your role power in order to get change accomplished, which is not the way to do things. People don't change because things make sense to you. Okay, they change because what you're suggesting moves them to see a better future after the extra energy they know they're going to have to expire. Expand, I'm sorry, expend. Let's not, let's hope they don't expire. Yeah, let's hope so. Okay. Now, look, pay attention to that, folks. Your directs don't change what they do because it makes sense to you for them to change it. First of all, nobody changes because things make sense. Change isn't about rationality. People change because of how they feel about the change. You high Ds and high Cs, you're not going to like this, but it's true. Further, they sure as heck don't change because of what you think makes sense. It's not what you think that matters. You're not the one changing in their minds. They are. So what you're telling them has to feel right to them. It's what Ben Franklin said. Would you persuade, if you're going to try to persuade me, speak of interest, not of reason. Okay? The fact that you will get higher returns on something doesn't necessarily motivate me to do it. Now, some on your team will be motivated by better numbers for the team, but others will be motivated by helping the team come together. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. You've got to think what will be an emotional appeal 
And I'm not talking about getting on your hands and knees and wringing your hands and crying, but you've got to think about what will motivate, what will excite people, what will in, what will engage them, what will make them think, wow, that's interesting, or I never thought of it that way, or that's a whole new level of performance. If you say to somebody, we're going to get a 1% improvement, and I think it's worth it, they're going to be people going, nah, I'm not sure that that's all that exciting. So- What this means is if you can't come up with a captivating story or rationale, we'd recommend you seriously reconsider doing what you're thinking about until you can come up with one. Because if you don't have one, it's unlikely that they're going to begin to think, wow, this is really going to be exciting and put their best foot forward. If your directs don't get excited, the energy they'll bring to the change will be compliant energy, and that will probably doom you. You brought up an example about about performance reviews. Let me, let me switch that around a little bit. You give, give a different example of one that that um, you, you'll probably recognize um, based on some of the recent conversations we had with some clients. So a manager tells his team, "Hey, look, we're going to have to do annual reviews even better this year." Ain't nobody excited about that, folks, right? Okay, so far, if you're trying to be persuasive, so far you haven't gotten me excited. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> but, okay, but then the question is, how does he sell it? What does he do? He says this. He says, look, guys, there have been layoffs. There's been rumors of layoffs, right? And it's going to be maybe right at the end of the year, maybe the beginning beginning of next year, right? And he says, look, I've been in those layoff meetings, those steel cage deathmatch meetings where managers are trying to decide who gets to stay and who has to go and so on. And he says, the managers whose teams come out of those, the least scathed, the managers who keep the most of their people are the ones who have lots of data about how good their people are. They've got chapter and verse on everybody on their team that's really, really good, and they can point out specific examples of things that people have done in the last year or two or three that makes them indispensable, and we wouldn't want to lose them. Okay. The managers who lose people are the ones who go in there and say, well, you know how good he is, or here are my three best guys. I can't get rid of them. And nobody knows why he thinks they're the best guys. So this manager says, we got to have a lot of data to do that. And the only way we're going to get a lot of good data in the next month really fast so I can really represent you all well is for everybody to do really well during review process. I want you to dig really deep. I want you to go back through your email. I want you to capture those critical incidents and those behaviors and so on. And I really want great reviews done. So I will have the data I need to show everybody why our team should be cut the least. You don't want to be the boss, the manager who works for me, assuming that this person is a director, for instance. You don't want to be the boss working for me who mails in their work, who doesn't really uh, take it you know, seriously, who, who writes a fairly sketchy review, doesn't give me the data I need, only to discover that I didn't have the ammunition that I needed to defend your folks from the layoff and more of your team gets laid off. Because you didn't do the work. So my emotional appeal to you is if you want to keep your guys, you better do great reviews. Simple as that. Yeah, you got my attention. <laughs> yeah. This is a made-up situation, for me at least. Not for this individual, but man, that captures your imagination. Yeah. And you know what the manager's thinking? Oh, I can't talk about the foreclosure. I, I can't I can't talk about the about the layoffs, right? I can't, you know, that that we couldn't we couldn't talk about that. Well, yeah, because know. everybody knows about it. So, exactly. so why not talk about it in a way that helps you improve the organization's chance of success and therefore keeping as many people as possible? Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that's step one. We're going to try to do an emotional appeal. We're going to try to make this this change effort an exciting one rather than just, hey, you have to do it. It's, you know, 
I'm saying you have to because I'm your boss. The second thing you do, the next two steps are easy. You describe the change and you describe the change process. And the first one, you describe the change. You know, this is pretty easy. You tell them what's going to change. Describe the new way of doing things. Explain how it's going to work. Explain the why of it. Be prepared to answer questions. Bosses who are self-aware know they have to be ready every time to answer at least one question with, I don't know about that one, or I hadn't thought of that, or that's a good reason. You know, I got to think that through a little bit more. Thank you for that. Um, Bosses who are sharp are okay with saying, I don't know, because it's new. You don't know everything about every new thing, right? Don't let somebody who asks clever questions dissuade you simply because there's a lot of questions you don't know the answer to. And then the next thing, the final piece is you describe the change process. Here, here's where we talk about how we're going to get from A to B, from, from A to Z, right? Training, personnel changes, registration, or I'm sorry, reorganization, budget changes, timelines, metrics, update meetings, Q&A sessions, right? It's not enough to sell the idea and then talk about what the new way is. You've got to say, and here's how we're going to get there. Now, look, to be fair, this is about a high level overview as, as we give on things. We apologize for that, but we're trying to give the majority of you enough to get started with this w- without having to, list to listen to a five or 10 part cast about all the details. We're going to do a cast sometime in the future about the details of the emotional appeal, how to really structure it and so on. Um, we often recommend you, you've got to have something beyond slides to do it. There's so much to cover, uh, the timeline, the planning, and so on. And we know some of you are always listening to us saying, just give me the outline. I'm sure I can fill in the blanks. And for the rest of you who want even more detail on this, we're going to come back to this topic, as we often do, in all of the steps. Good. Now, that presentation, though, is not enough. Um, You described we want to go back and follow up with each team member. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, we covered it already in in the team meeting, right? Boy, the first time I did this, I felt like an idiot for all the years I hadn't done it before, right? <laughs> um, everybody on your team is different. Lately, you and I have been sharing with client managers that something that we both knew, but we really hadn't said that often out loud, which is new managers often talk about their team as a single entity, right? As, yeah. as, as, as if a they're unit. one cohesive, single-minded yeah. body. Yeah. My, <laughs> my team, my team, my team. But seasoned executives, seasoned effective managers describe the individuals on their team, who's good at what and why they're good at it, who works well with whom, who can be counted on for ideas, who's great with follow-up, who, who's got the details, and so on. Everybody's different. Some of your team members have great ideas or suggestions, but won't share them early in a public meeting. They have to have time to get their thoughts together. Some folks don't have any thoughts during the first meeting. Your high C's need time to think through the parameters in a pragmatic way. That takes time, longer than your 30-minute briefing. So, the week following our staff meeting, we're going to meet with everybody on our team individually. We're going to go over everything we already went over, and we're going to ask for thoughts, ideas, inputs, and a commitment to help with the change, just like we did before, but now we're doing it in an individual uh, session, and they've had roughly a week to think about it. Now, look, obviously, if you have one-on-ones um, with your directs, that's when you're going to do this overview, this review, but if not, you'll have to schedule time with each one of them. 
what we'd recommend is if you have one-on-ones, ask that they keep their time to 15 minutes this week so you have a full 15 at the back end of your 30-minute one-on-one to cover the change initiative. Now, look, you should expect some disagreement from some people. And not just people who disagreed in the public meeting. Some people might have disagreements, but they won't share them in public because they think that's rude or unprofessional or tearing down the team. And those type of folks who need more time to think about it, the high C's, for example, if you simply end the team meeting and that's the last time you talk to them about it, they're not going to have a chance to share those ideas with you, their concerns. And even though they may not share it with you, they still have the concerns and that's going to prevent them from being as committed as they possibly could to the change initiative. Yeah. And just because we're giving them a voice, just because we're giving them a chance to, to, to speak and for us to listen to them doesn't mean we're saying you're right. We're just increasing the chances that we know what their concerns are and we can think about it. And frankly, some of your folks are going to bring up concerns you haven't thought of in the meeting and you will have time to prepare to address them during the individual meetings. Yep. Okay. You can expect reasons why it won't work. Trumped up reasons why your idea makes no sense. All wrapped up in something along the lines of, hey, the way we do this already works. Why, Why do we have to change? Remember, this is in the third week of four you have planned for in this rollout process. Now's not the time to fold. And if you need one more week, if it takes five rather than four, who cares, right? Because if this is a permanent change, the fact that you start it one week later, yeah, you get one less week of ROI, but this is going to be going on forever. And you've spent a lot of time not doing this before. One week is probably not going to kill you. Probably not. So what you do is you spend time talking about the change and about the rollout plan. Look, folks, often managers spend so much time talking about the change, they forget in the individual meetings to talk about the rollout plan. You focus on the idea too much and, and unfortunately, why, why it won't work if you've got somebody right. pushing back. Right. Yeah, don't let your time be totally swallowed up by the negativity. Make sure you walk through how long the change is going to take and what specifically you expect from each direct. If you get some pushback and you can't answer it directly, you can still say, hey, great, that's good. Let me come back to you on that one. And let me continue by talking about the rest of the rollout because I want you to know what our what the plan is right now. Now, as we said, after you have these meetings, you may want to make some changes. It is possible. It's, it's unlikely, but it's possible that you'll have to rethi- rethink everything based on your direct's input. Hey, look at it. That's true. Thank God yeah. you have an opportunity to do that, right? Yeah, rather than shoving it down their throats and wondering why your great idea is not working. Well, it's not that the great idea isn't working. I, I suppose technically it is. It's because you rolled it out poorly. And that's it. Announce your changes early. Announce your changes to everybody first and then follow up with each team member. This is the bare skeleton of the manager tools managerial change model. There's more to all of this, but you can use this in any situation. It's usable now. And as you use it and get better at it, we'll be rolling out more of the pieces and you'll be able to add them on in more detail. And that'll make you get better and better. Um, you can start now getting better. You don't have to wait till you have a full 85 step plan. Okay. When you introduce change, It's tempting to want to go fast. You're excited about the idea. Going fast gets the pain of the change over. That's a good thing. But there are two parts to the beginning of a change effort, the run up to the change and then the change itself. Most of us don't give ourselves or our team members any time for that run up and then blame the failure of the change on the idea rather than on the bad initial process. Take your time, 
take a month, tell everybody together, tell them well in advance. And before you start implementing, talk to everybody individually and get their sense of things. Let them ask questions privately that they may not have asked publicly or that they didn't have time to come up with on the spot. Be willing to include their ideas, as Mike said, a la the pre-wire, right? Even if you're not sure they'll improve things, including their ideas will improve their receptiveness, which is what we're getting at here. Too many ideas die due to bad rollouts. It's frustrating. It has nothing to do with the ideas themselves. Let's give ourselves a little leeway, a little more time. Give ourselves some time to get ready. Um, give our directs a minute or two to get their heads around things. And our changes will actually work. Awesome. Yeah, I wish you had shared this with me um, like 20 years ago. I <laughs> spared myself <laughs> yeah, a lot of pain. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week. So long.